the Flawed Workshop Podcast with me, your host, Nancy Art Music. And me, your co-host, Alex Roberts. Today, we're here with... Tony Parnowski, and I currently write the web series Pound on Webtoon. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. We're very excited to speak to you about all sorts of things. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll start with uh, where we start with every episode. Primarily, you're a writer, but you also do music as well. So uh, tell us a little bit about how um, both of those sort of journeys started um, and kind of how they led to where you are today. Music has kind of always been there. I guess I'll start there. Um, Like, I don't really, I didn't start playing until I was probably 13, but I don't ever remember not listening to music all the time. And while I was listening to music, I was always kind of, writing stories in my head while I was listening. Like I would, you know, I was mad about, you know, I'd play with the G.I. Joe's or Transformers or whatever when I was a kid and I'd have music playing in the background and that was the soundtrack for whatever I was doing. But I mean, we're talking about stuff like Peter Gabriel and, you know, Pink Floyd and, you know, so it was, it was some, some dark stuff at times, you know, for a, uh, a young child. But <laughs> at any rate, um, um, and that just kind of naturally turned into me uh, wanting to write stories. Uh, I mean, I've, always read comics and, and let me take a step back there. One of the things that I used to do, and is this dependency maybe kind of out of, out of left field, but when I was a kid, when I was sitting here playing with these action figures, one of the things I'd started doing was I had a, basically a journal, right? I called it my war journal because it started with G.I. Joe, right? I'm mm. showing my age a little bit. All, all, all the best stories do, you know. They're, they're, I mean, right, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad you, uh, you appreciate it. So, but, you know, what I would do is I would go and play and whatever, and then I would go and write down everything that happened. Right. And then I going back, I had notebooks full of this stuff. Right. And I mean, it was horrible. Right. But, you know, it's the stuff of a child. But it was basically fanfic before that had a name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of progressed from there. Um, I kind of stopped with comics when I was probably I mean, I still read them, but I didn't really pursue it. Um, Probably when I was around 14 or 15, just because I fell into playing drums uh, that became pretty much life for me. Um, you know, if it didn't involve music, I didn't really care. Um, and that lasted probably about 12 years. Mm. I was in my late 20s. Um, and then, well, actually, let me take a step back on that. My mid-20s, um, I decided I wanted to start writing comics again. I was working a corporate job, was miserable, hated it. Um, and at the time, everything I could find that said, hey, this is how you do this was basically well, if you don't know somebody in comics, you're probably not going to get into comics. So yep. write something else, meet people, and then see if you can then kind of go from there. Um, and I was playing in a really terrible Dungeons & Jack Dragons group at the time. Um, and it was terrible because there were 16 players, which is just too God, many that's, that's a huge yeah, group. Miserable. The, the DM was a wonderful person, but he couldn't say no oh. to people. And so it was just like, man... And then there was always that one player that wants to spend four hours arguing the rules, right? And so it was, it was, we, it was we, a lot of drinking. We right? started. <laughs> no, I don't argue about. Well, I mean, actually, I did. I did when we started playing. We started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons for the first time last year in February. It was just before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a good time to start, though, right? So yeah. Oh, we we nailed the timing. Yeah. <laughs> we had nothing else to do, so it was perfect. And you were DMing mm. uh, for the first time, right in the deep end. The first time yeah. you ever played, having never played, decided to DM. Um, so uh, well, I thought, you know, baptism of fire. 
If I, if I but, can do this, I can do anything. But we had six players <laughs> at yep. one point, and that was quite a mm. lot. So 16, I can't even imagine. It was it was too much. I mean, it, it eventually got broken up into where um, we basically had two groups, mm-hmm. right? So it's like our session would meet every other week, and there would be like eight of us at a time. And that, that was kind of, again, it just got way too big. So I've got this image now that you've got maybe, you know, there's like five bards or something. And then <laughs> if there's like one paladin and they can just sort of be the minstrels for this paladin, just. Uh... I mean, it, it was very Monty Python in a lot of ways, right. You know, and it, it kind of felt ridiculous like that, but it, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I remember I was playing a rogue cause I, I just always play a rogue. And, um, it was also one of those parties where every time I would try to get up to rogue shenanigans, like, hey, there's stuff here to steal. I'm going to steal this. Yeah. The entire party would turn against me, and it was just it was just miserable. It was no fun. That's um, not fun. trying to tell me. This was also, this was back, uh, you know, mid-aughts, right? So it was uh, during the uh, Lord of the Rings when the movies were out, and so it was, they were yeah. really big. And uh, for some reason, my DM really wanted me to play Legolas. And so he was basically slowly turning my character into Legolas. Like every chance that he got, like he changed my alignment. Like it was just once that happened, I was like, I'm done. You know, I'm like this is love you guys. We'll go drink beer. We'll have fun. It's good. But I'm just I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, I'm going to go write some books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went and started writing some stories. Uh, wrote uh, three novels, um, and then decided, hey, I, you know, I actually really enjoy. I don't. This is another story from another time. I don't love writing prose. Uh, we we can talk about that in a minute if you want, but. Okay. Uh, I really like telling stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I, I've i cried uh, for a music degree a couple of times. It didn't pan out either time. Let's try English out, see how that works. And I uh, went back to school, got a creative writing degree, um, completely learned that everything that I was doing up until that point was completely wrong, um, even though it was, you know, I mean, you know, to, according, it, it, to, it, it, according to the man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. According to the man, it was, it was incorrect. But uh, it... Um, I still learned a lot, met a lot of great people. Um, and then kind of fell out of that. I graduated and about the time uh, I graduated, then I fell into another corporate job that kind of started eating up all my time. Uh, cause that's what they are designed to do. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> again, while in the midst of despair, of oh, I hate my job. This is awful. I found myself on Reddit and, uh, was like, you know what? I've got to write. I need to be doing something to write, but I want to write comics. And by God, this is the 21st century. I can make this shit happen. Pardon the language. But, mm-hmm. uh, so I got on Reddit, found myself on the comic book collabs subred, which if you guys don't know it, it's a, it's a great place to go. A lot of supportive people on there Ooh, okay. um, and just posted a, um, you know, it's like, Hey, if anybody needs any help editing, you know, it's like, I, I can help proofread, whatever, help with story, whatever. I've got a degree. Let me know what you want. I'll just help out. Worked on a couple of little projects like that. And um, then Orlando Casido, who is the artist for Pound, actually reached out to me and was like, hey, man, um, I'm working on a, uh, it was a submission for a contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, you know, I you know, wouldn't mind if you could look this over and make sure that, you know, got my eyes, crossed my teeth. Um, went through, like, almost, I'm not going to say I completely rewrote the dialogue because it was still, the spirit of what was there was, was, still there mm-hmm. um, but i helped tune him you know help him tune it up he was like dude this is awesome i you know thank you so much you know we ran with that he submitted he didn't win but it didn't you know he didn't expect to i guess that's how the things go mm. but during that process um he was working on pound mm-hmm. which was a series that he had created with uh luke lancaster a uh, guy that he had worked on a series before that called the bad guys uh, long story on that but it's great great series if you're, if you're looking for something to read on webtoons 
Um, and then um, towards the end of the first season, Luke got busy doing other things. Um, so because of this relationship that we had worked on, or, you know, we worked on this project, he came and was like, hey, man, would you be interested in, in you know, writing Pound? And with us, well, hell yeah. You know, that sounds awesome. Right? Sign me up. Yeah. And, uh, sign me up, you know, because it was like, I remember the moment, too. I was like, oh, dude, I just got offered a gig writing a comic. That's awesome. It's like victory, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, um, it, it, was, it was great. It was a great feeling. And I, the, the comic is a lot of fun. Um, it was weird coming in at the end of the first season because, you know, obviously it was not a world that I had any say in everything. All the rules were kind of established. Um, but that, that in and of itself was, was neat because I, you know, before any, whenever I had written something before I had maybe too much control, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, whatever I said went and which is great, you know, but it, it, it sometimes it's nice to have those constraints because it kind of forces you to be a little bit more creative. Mm. Um, at least it does for me. Anyway, so, um, but, um, when I got into that series, that was a lot of fun because it was basically, you know, he said that they were kind of approaching it from a, like a Dragon Ball Z, um, kind of, play, you know, that's, that was what they were channeling. And, um, I, I really hate to admit this, but I, I somehow missed Dragon Ball Z. Like I was just like a little too old before it came out. I, I missed it too. I don't know whether it was the same for you. Alex. Uh, it was, uh, it, it was shown religiously on Cartoon Network and I was the right oh. age for it, but it was all the English dub stuff. Oh yeah, um, but uh, I had a I, I had a friend uh, uh, Josh. So if Josh, if you're listening to this, then then uh, uh, shout out to you for your uh, Dragon Ball Z and just constantly running around the playground, just shouting Kamiya at each other. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Oh yeah, but I uh, it was it was quite interesting. I uh, didn't get a chance to catch all the way up because. There's so many. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty hefty. Yeah, we're we're um, about. I think we just posted episode 18 of season three, mm. and there's 30 episodes per season. So it's there's there's you know what is that 76 episodes roughly so far that we've got. But yeah, but, uh, I started yeah. reading some of it, and it it's mm. so uh, interesting because I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's like it's about fighting, cool. Mm. And then like the more and more you read, it's like, whoa, whoa, there's extra stuff. What there's powers involved? <laughs> oh my god! And it's uh, like I'm super excited to continue reading it. But um, yeah, I uh, as I was kind of scrolling through, I um, it, I thought that you'd been writing on it the entire time, but I found the sort of podcast that you guys did about uh, Pound for a little bit. So that was really cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We did that during during the first half of season two. And like we, we meant to, like we stopped right before Christmas in 2019. And then we meant to get back to it. Things kind of got busy and then the pandemic hit. And then it was just like, yeah, you know what, I... We we probably should do this right now, but we're just we're good, you know. We mm. just kind of let it let it go by the wayside. But that was a I missed the before time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, we're slowly starting to get kind of back to things. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. say that things are normal by any stretch, but it's it's more normal than it was this time last year, right? You know, I don't I don't feel quite as freaked out going out into public now that I'm vaccinated. Yeah, um, I have two kids that are both under the age of twelve, so I'm still a little weird about that, just because. Once once they get the jab, I'll be okay, right? Yeah. But uh, up until then, um, we're still still keeping our distance. But mm. it's uh, yeah, I do miss the before times. Yeah, <laughs> it was much easier to just pick up and go to a restaurant or a bar without having to <laughs> check for reservations and what else. The small heart attack when you pat down your pockets and think, "Oh God, my mask." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was weird. I actually walked into so I live in Tennessee and. Um, our backwards government has completely just done away with masks altogether now, which I, I feel like is a little too soon, personally. But you know, whatever. 
Oh uh, yeah, a good good friend of mine is uh, is from Nashville. Um, she's fantastic. You know, Nashville. I, I think it's a bit like um, uh, Austin in Texas. It's like this 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 one safe haven of normality. Of, uh, <laughs> it's mostly just East Nashville. Oh, okay. Right? So right. it's not even the whole city. It's just East Nashville. Well, we, Austin. I I didn't get that far. We got scared out when people started uh, taking offense to our accents when we put when we tried to get some meals. <laughs> It's crazy, man. So like as a musician, all right. So in my mid twenties, I started playing in bands and that was what I did for a living, you know, for almost 10 years. And uh, one of the bands that I, I played in, I wasn't a full-time member, but I was one of the subs. It was the uh, same as it ever was. And it was a uh, talking head tribute. Mm. Right? Well, our lead singer had blue hair because that's what lead singers do, right? They just do things like that. I mean, because it's, I mean, whatever, but anytime we were on the road, and I mean, we would go kind of all over the Southeast, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Charles, you know, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. We, we, we kind of hit them all. It would dumbfound these people. It's like they had never heard of hair dye before. I mean, it's like, Lord, you know, your hair's blue. I mean, and it was just like. <laughs> I hadn't looked in the mirror recently, no, actually. What? Oh, my God. no idea. What? Oh, my God. You know, and it's like, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like, sorry, I'm going to tell like another real quick tangent. I remember one of like girl that I was dating in high school, I remember the first time I met her mom, um, she asked me, you know, where do you go to church? And my answer was, well, I don't really believe in organized religion. And like, that was the last time I ever dated, like, and she, and, and the, to the girl's credit, she was like, listen, I'm sorry. You know, this is really messed up and I'm sorry, but like, I have been forbidden from ever talking to you ever again, because you basically might as well have just come in with horns and a tail and said that you were, you know, Lord Satan, not master. Oh, man. What, what I'm hearing is you let your Juliet go. Like this could have been a, this could have been a Romeo and Juliet sort of like amazing thing. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have worked. But oh. uh, you know, I mean, it was it was it was cool, you know. But I mean, it, it's just little stupid shit like that throughout my life where I felt like, you know, even in my own family, you know, it's like I don't feel like I can speak out all the time. Now I've gotten to a point in the last few years where, you know, I don't really care anymore. It's like I'm I'm sorry, I love you guys, and at this point, you know, I'm an asshole, and if you're not okay <laughs> with it, then we're just gonna have to just agree to disagree at this point. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of what I create, I think comes from that, you know, and it's like, it's, it's, I don't consider myself necessarily to be a writer that is, you know, like I don't personally, and maybe this is, this makes me a bad writer. I don't know. But when I sit down to write something, I'm not necessarily coming at it from what is the grand theme that I'm trying to get across. I now, completely understand that. Yeah. As, as a writer yeah, myself. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's, and I think maybe it's because. I, I'm under the, the, the impression that we are, at least I was anyway, again, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like I was most myself when I was like 12 or 13 years old, mm. right? like before, before society really kind of started having an influence and saying, oh, you know, before I really started caring what people thought, not, not that yeah. it's been, I mean, we all care what people think, right? But especially during teenage years, right? But because of that, the stuff that I loved when I was 12, 13, you know, it was stuff like, it was stuff like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, you know, music and, you know, I mean, like Nirvana, stuff like that, that I, you know, and it was just, I feel like since then in my adult life, I've been chasing that feeling to a certain degree. It's like I'm trying okay. to be true to my inner 12-year-old, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and 100%. it's like, yeah, not in a, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I've had people say that to me before, like, oh, you're acting like a 12-year-old, like that's you're being immature, right, or whatever. And I mean, I think that it could be a bad thing, but I mean, I think if you're being true to yourself and it's saying, you know, these were the things that, that brought me happiness mm-hmm. and, you know, like completely unadulteratedly just made me happy. 
Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I keep trying to do that. And when I try to write stories, I'm basically trying to tap into that, right? I'm trying to tell myself mm. stories that I would have dug when I was 12, 13 years old. I listened to another podcast called A Creative Pep Talk, where this guy, Andy J. Pizza, is amazing. And he's super enthusiastic about also just helping creators. And one of the things that he says is that oftentimes creators will make the things that they wish they had when they were younger or they were in, in basically that just didn't exist at some point. Um, and I am increasingly finding that, especially with how easy distribution is online, you literally make something in seconds and it's out into the world. It's uh, incredible all the the things that we didn't know were needed um, because people are like, for example, it, in visual art, people are seeing more characters that are people of color than, than you know, LGBTQIA people who are a little, getting some representation where there was absolutely none. Mm. Um, and most of the people who create that uh, work are people who are the same as the work that they're creating. So it's really incredible to see how much of yourself, even sometimes when you're not exactly aware of it, gets out onto the page or into the music or into the film. It's just fantastic it, it, and interesting to see. <laughs> no, I agree completely. And I, and I think you're right. I mean, because I'm, you know, at least from personal experience, I know that that is, you know, I try to make music that I want to hear. It's mm -hmm. not already out there. You know, and it's like, well, why, you know, because I mean, I know I've known people that have been in bands that, you know, it's like, well, we're, we, we sound just like, cool. Why? There's already a band called Tool and they're pretty cool, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, why are you trying to, are you going to one up Tool? You know, I mean, it's like, it's one thing to, Tools. Like, be these, <laughs> <laughs> we would probably be apt in those situations, right? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but now they, um, but it's like, you know, it's one thing to be inspired by or to be influenced by, you know, but, but, you know, it's like, like you said, trying to fill the niche, trying to fill the void of things that, that weren't there before. And, you know, I actually had this conversation with my dad the other day. Sorry, I feel like I talked a lot about it. But like he was talking about um, one of his things with, I don't, I don't like, because he was watching Grey's Anatomy. I, I, I've never watched this show, but he was watching it or whatever. And he got sucked into it and was going down at Grey's Anatomy Hall. I was like, there, there are like 17 seasons. And I was like, okay, great. That's, that's awesome, Dad. But his one, his one beef with, with it was that I just wish they weren't trying to change my mind. Like, what? He's like, well, you know, there's there's so much like social commentary and there's so much, you know, they're, they're forcing the gay characters and they're forcing this and forcing that on me. I'm like, dude, that's capitalism. Mm -hmm. He's like, what? <laughs> and it's like, if there's a character in a show that feels a demographic, it's because they feel that there's a demographic that needs to be represented by that. And if mm -hmm. you don't like that, then A, your choices don't watch the show, right? I mean, if you don't like it, let's you should step back and ask yourself some questions as to why you don't like it, right? But Barring that, right? You know, you don't have to watch the show, you know, but but don't sit here and say that capitalism, because that's another conversation. Capitalism <laughs> is a perfect system, and yet I don't like the social justice warriors, sports, and all the Johnny and my Grey's Anatomy, right? Mm. It's like, you know, you can't have it both ways, right? It's like it either either you're cool with capitalism and the change that it brings, right? Because at least in America, you know, I mean, we are a changing population. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Right? Mm. You know, I mean, it's like there are fewer white people than there were. 20 years ago and thank god there's i mean you know, i don't know how it is <laughs> yep. but i mean like i'm sick of white people man i'm just are we yeah. anyway sorry. <laughs> <laughs> moving on from that but like um but to your point though I, I i need to listen to that uh what was the name of that podcast again creative pep talk by creative andy pep. j pizza it's andy. he's wonderful uh yeah 
highly recommend it. It's part of the reason he's a big inspiration behind this podcast. And uh, because I listen to his podcast so much, I try not to mention as many of the things that he mentions in his because otherwise I'm just essentially stealing his uh, advice and giving it to other people. No, 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 no. You're paying you're paying homage. Sorry, yeah, you're paying homage, and I mean, and if it's a springing off point too, you know, mm-hmm. because the, you know, I'm definitely a believer in the uh, idea that there's nothing new under the sun. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like everything has any thought that you've ever had, any story idea that you've ever had. Somebody else has had that idea, mm-hmm. but it's how you pull it off. Well, right? just Are just you... finding the name for this podcast was mm. an incredible task. It was, uh, I think, I got through no. No less than twenty different names that I typed into Google, and uh, either somebody had a website under that name, or um, most of them, of course, were podcasts because I was looking underneath podcasts to see what was there. But it was incredible. Um, the The downside is that saying the flawed workshop, the, just the word flawed. People miss here all the time, which kind of sucks. So I've just resorted to sending people links all the time um, and at least showing them a picture of it so that they can know what to look for when they found it. Well, I love that because, I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, it's the flaws that define us. Exactly. That's the whole point. It's um, the, you know, until you notice your flaws, you won't progress. Mm -hmm. And quite often it's your flaws that make what is unique about your creation. Mm. And I mean, the reason we started the podcast was because uh, I, as a serial procrastinator and perfectionist, uh, was finding that all the advice that is available, whilst, you know, very enthusiastic and, and given to you by motivated people, every time you finish reading a book or watching a video about it, you leave with a sense of like, all right, finally gonna do it. Except the video that you just watched said, you know, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, I work out for an hour, I eat an avocado, and it's like, okay. But, like, do you remember when you started what your day was like? Because you've, like, the people who are giving these motivational uh, tools to people are giving them from their perspective after they've already become successful and have been doing it for a long time. Whereas we want to kind of highlight that, people who are like in the thick of it in some ways or like successful and made it are such relative terms. Like they should be defined by you, right. You know, by you know, what, what makes you feel like you're successful. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, I said earlier, you know, when I got offered to ride on pounds, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a very, you know, it's a very small potatoes comic, you know, I'll be very honest, right. It's we have, as far as webtoons goes, we don't have a huge viewership, right. Um, we have a decent viewership, but, Compared to webtoons, other titles, it's pretty small, right? But it, it, the fact that anybody else in the world was like, yeah, I think you're pretty good at this and I'd like for you to write this series that I'm working on, that was huge for me, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, and I really honestly, if, if it had ended with pounds, I probably would have been like, okay, I, you know, I, I, one of my dreams was to write a comic. And granted, it wasn't in the form that I expected it to, but in my experience, nothing in life has turned out the way I expected it to at all right yep um, and that doesn't mean that it's bad or it's just, it's just how life is right mm. but i achieved a goal right i was successful as far as that went in my mind and i think that, that that's i think that's something that that um like you're talking about these gurus or whatever kind of forget sometimes they always kind of get focused on well the the, the, the goal is to be a millionaire or to you know whatever right mm-hmm. and it's it's you know i i, I yeah 
Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to, to derail. That's <laughs> right. I mean, this is this is kind of like one of the the, the main things that we talk about because the the concept of what success is is so different for so many different people. Uh, for just for me to actually be creating anything is such a huge step forward. This time last year, I was uh, kind of I had more time on my hands than usual and I still felt guilty that I wasn't really doing anything with it when uh my excuse the entire time was that I don't have enough time I don't have enough equipment I don't have the resources despite the in- internet being on my fingertips the entire time and just uh not taking advantage of it made me feel quite guilty so now this year it in I wouldn't say that I've made it because I kind of want to start monetizing some of this some of the things I'm doing but um like the fact that I'm doing it is such a huge step forward I have a co- like a cute little comic out every Saturday and this podcast comes out every Thursday that's incredible to me because I didn't have that mm. like not even 6 months ago I think no no you didn't you know and it's awesome I mean those are things that you absolutely should be proud of right because you're you're doing the work you're you're getting it out, you know. You're, you're putting it out there for people to see, and I mean, and that's that's a huge thing too, right? You know, like I remember, you know, back in the days before the internet, right? You know, it's like we would talk about, well, you know, it's like, okay, this this dude's a fantastic drummer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, cool. Who, who's he play with? Well, nobody. He just plays in his basement. Well, what good is that? You know, I mean, it's like, and I mean, at the time, it was like I didn't understand what was good. I mean, but it's what made him happy, right? That's fine. But back then, it was like, okay. How should you share that with the world? Shouldn't you get that out there and then put it in front of people? And now with TikTok and everything else, it's so easy to to like you said, just create something and put it out there. You know, mm-hmm. hours later. And uh, I was talking to some friends of mine. We had our first post COVID uh, party. Like everybody got vaccinated. And we're like, yeah, we're gonna go hang out. Yeah, we hung out outside. It was great. No, it was, it was great. But I was talking to um, some of the guys that I, I play in a band with, um, and. And they're like, you know, I haven't seen you in a year. What the hell's been going on? And it's like, well, you know, I started doing TikTok and doing this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, you know, I, I wish that this stuff had existed when I was in my late teens or early 20s because I don't, if it had been there and I'd had that ability to get the stuff out there as easily as I, as I do now, I don't know that I would have settled for a corporate job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I would have, I would have been a little bit more comfortable starving for a little bit more, you know, eating a few more packs of ramen for a few days as, <laughs> as far as it was, you know, now I got kids, I got to feed the kids, you know, and so it's a little, mm. little bit different, but, um, well, no, you should feed the kids. You don't have to feed the kids. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, they really only need to eat once every three days. Right. So, I mean, yeah. this is why we're not we parents, to... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think that, um, I really respect people that, that choose not to have kids. Um, we it's It was something my wife and I kind of went back and forth on for a long time. And I mean, for a substantial portion of my life, I was like, I don't, you know, I just don't think I'm cut out for it. Right. You know, and mm. it's like, I partly it was because I always thought, you know, next week I'm going to be a rock star and I'm going to be on tour. Right. So, I mean, I can't have a family. Right. That's not. And then when reality started to kind of realize, oh, wait, I'm still not a rock star yet. You know, I guess I could have kids, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's, I'm really glad that we made the choice that we did because they have, and I mean, you'll hear people say this all the time, but it's like, they have made me realize what a piece of shit I am. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful, you know, because I mean, it's like, the, the honesty is refreshing. I love it. And it's usually because they're giving you back to you on some level. You uh-huh. know, it's like, my son, especially, he'll say something. I'm like, cheeky little oh no wait 
I can't be mad at you about that. That was absolutely me. <laughs> I heard myself say that two weeks ago. Yeah, no, it's fine, man. You know, I'll let it go this time. But it, it you know, I've always been a very uh, quick to cuss. I, you know, I like the expletives. They are some of my favorite words. Um, <laughs> they're just so colorful and useful in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still like, I, I'm trying to raise my kids the way my parents raised me. Now they were, they were much better about not cussing in front of the kids. I mean, I, I just like, well, I'm, Sorry, judge me if you want, but it's I am what I am. But uh, they um, in the south, you get judged for that. Shit. On on the topic of, of sort of bad words, cuss words, and stuff. Um, from my, on my writing side of things, I frequently struggle to uh, actually incorporate swear words into my stuff without then cringing at myself about it. I, I don't know if that's something that you've had when... when oh, I guess what, sometimes... Oh, you mean like in, in like dialogue? Or yeah, like, either in dialogue or... Um, so, I, I, you know, I do a lot of poetry and stuff as well. So if I'm like, like you know, just a random expletive in there. And well, what, just... Well, sorry, very, yeah. very quickly. When I write lyrics, I find that sometimes yeah. it is cringy to swear in them because I just kind of think of... I think back at like... When I started writing music, I was like 13, 14. And... Mm. I just remember wanting desperately to sound edgier by incorporating <laughs> swear words. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, but no, it's oof. But anyway, then, go but on. Then, so, yeah, but then when I go back to the edit, the, like the editing stage or sort of, you know, a couple of days later on fresh eyes looking at it again and just sort of just go, it doesn't feel right. And uh, I, I don't know if that's something that you've experienced with. There's, there's, yeah, there's a difference between like, saying it in, in the real life and then actually putting it into into the physical yeah, there's world. Absolutely. For me anyway, like I am much better when I can edit what I say. Mm. Um, you know, when I, when I speak, it's, it's mostly, it's a lot of expletives, right? It's you mm-hmm. know, this, that, and the other, just, just whatever reason, you know, I don't know if it was like a defense mechanism growing up to like, to try to get people out. I, I don't know what the deal was, but uh, <laughs> I, I like them. Um, and they're, they're just, maybe it is. I think that, that, I think I may have just learned something about myself. It's, it's because they are so frowned upon around yeah. here. I think maybe I started doing it just to be like, oh yeah. Right. What are you going to say? What are you going to do now? Right? It's one of you the know, easiest said, forms oh, of rebellion. You can like, what are you, you going to go back in time and stop me from saying it? Well, <laughs> right, exactly. like if you, if you get like, told something's a bad word, it's like, Ooh, immediately well, it's much more interesting. I mean, I mean you know, that's why, why is it bad? I know you said that you tried to keep this uh, kind of sweary free, you know, and I've like totally crossed the boundary here. And I apologize. Oh, she can, like, oh, she can do I, what I'm she just wants gonna, with it. I'm gonna just mark this episode. Um, Next, please. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> right, cool, cool. I'm so good at that. Right? Go so, for it. Right, <laughs> we don't, like... we don't have any sponsors yet either, so you're good. <laughs> All right, awesome. Does that mean I can swear on so, this one as well? Sure, if you like. Oh, thank fuck. <laughs> speaking of that word it's the most versatile world word in the entire english language right? yeah. i mean you can you can it can be anything mm-hmm. right and i mean there was there was uh you've seen all the i'm sure like there was bumper stickers and stuff back in the 90s it was like fuck me you fucking fuck you know and it's like <laughs> i know what you mean you know, it's, it's a like complete that, sentence you know, was, yeah exactly with basically two words right you know and i mean and it was it's it's fantastic and it's so incredibly useful I, sp- I think especially for verbal communication, you know, mm. because there are very big differences between verbal communication and written communication. Mm-hmm. Now, part of what I do, you know, my day job, if you will, is I'm a technical writer, right? So obviously there is nary a fuck or shit in there at all, right? You know, and, unless I slip it in somehow, you know, and I'm kidding, of course, but they, they don't, <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's all about knowing your audience, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, like, I'm trying to think, you know, we're talking about Tool, right? We talked about them, or I brought them up earlier, you know? So, I mean, there were certain songs they had where they would cuss, right? But then others where they didn't, right? And I think that it kind of depends on what you're 
going for, right? Mm. Now, I would say that from like a dialogue standpoint, it would have to be a, um, it would have to fit the character, right? Mm. You know, like if you've got somebody that, that you know, it just doesn't make sense for them to be a, a you know, foul-mouthed sailor type, you know, then it, it you know, then maybe don't don't use it there. But I don't know, man. I, you know, I, again, I, I, I like, I like the expletives. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't use them a lot when I write though. I mean, thinking back on it, I really, I don't like, I know that in uh, this last season, I try to use them sometimes as like verbal tics, right. Cause like, mm. especially with like, um, like with, with comics, one of the things that I found is that it's helpful from a writing standpoint, if you can, make the reader know who's talking without having to look at the bubble. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, you find ways to like, you know, this person always speaks with contractions. This speak, person never speaks with contractions. You know, this person, anytime something sideways happens, they say, damn it, or, you know, whatever, something like that. Yeah. It's where it kind of becomes like a, a verbal tick for that person. And it's, it's mm. at least for me in comics, I find that that's very helpful. Now I, I, I try to do that somewhat in prose as well. Though the, the the thing with prose writing, like the one the one one of my creative writing classes that really sticks out to me was when we were talking about dialogue um, and how you know the common misconception is that you want dialogue to sound like very conversational. You, you know, I want it to sound like conversation, mm. which is really not true at all. Because what and he proved it to us because he brought in a tape of a conversation that people had and played it. And it was the most boring shit you'd ever heard ever. Right. I mean, there's lots of weird pauses and it was just very, you know, in podcasting days, it's gotten a little bit different. Right. And I think it's it kind of become a little bit more like radio in a way. Right. But like just a straight up conversation between two people that don't think they're being recorded. It's usually not super entertaining. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what you're trying to do when you're writing dialogue and prose is you're trying to, I'm trying to remember how he said it. Um, it was basically, you're trying to, give the impression of a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, you know, and again, in certain situations, I, I'm totally missing the point of your question, which was, you know, do you use that sort of and I've gone this completely strange. No, no, no that, that's what I love about these sorts of things. Oh, yeah, then keep, it, it, yeah. Keep going. Keep this going. is great. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, it's, you know, cause the idea there too, is that whenever you're, you want, you want your characters to sound individuals, right? You want, you want them to know who's speaking because, you know, one of the things that I got really hammered into, a, you know, was no um, no attributions, you know, no he said, she said, no no mm. attributions. You mm. should be able to have a conversation in prose on the page and people know who's speaking just based on what's being said. Um, and I think that in that sense, expletives can be a very powerful tool, you know, again, because if it's a, uh, if it's placed correctly, and I mean, I, it's really all about placement. It's about the tasteful use of it, I think, in, in all situations. And I think that's just language in general, right? You know, I think that's what we're all trying to do when we're when we're going over the same sentence a thousand times and we move the subject. You know, I mean, it's, it's I'm sure we've all done that. If you guys write prose, right, you know, you've rewritten sentences 10,000 times just to end up with the very first sentence that you wrote, right? And just, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's moments like this that make me very happy that I'm not a writer. <laughs> but um, I, I must say that I, I love that um, just like earlier we mentioned D&D and playing that. I DM'd my first game uh, I think last week, and it was congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was lots of fun. But it was. Um, I I listened to so many uh, like 
actual play D&D shows and uh, also a podcast called The Three Black Halflings where they talk a lot about kind of how, behavior at the table and how to DM well and how to voice characters. And But all three of them are actors. So they've come from this like almost very professional way to play this game and elevate it in that way. And But one of the things that they were saying is that as a DM, if you have a lot of uh, non-playable characters, NPCs, they um, would be to instead of doing like a different accent or a different voice for each one the way they talk can tell you so much about their character and mm. you know so it's not so much like speaking poshly and with a british accent for example but it's why like, was that aimed at me that's that's on you i d- <laughs> was not meaning it to be aimed oh, at okay, anyone okay. um but <laughs> but you can tell like what a character is like if they use a lot of long words and if they use just all of that makes such a big difference if you can as a a, a dm memorize like be in the character and that informs how they speak and act in the situation. That makes everything else from that point easier. Um, I don't write a lot, but I imagine that that's kind of the same with characters, both in prose and sort of on the comic as well. Yeah, and I mean, when you're writing characters, I feel like um, writing the character prose versus uh, comic is very similar, you know, because it is kind of the same idea where you're just trying to put yourself into the, okay, what what would they be thinking, feeling, in this situation and then how would they react right mm-hmm. and it's it's you know there was a check off that said that you know character is action right and so basically what the actions and i i struggled with that concept forever I'm like what the fuck does that mean right? and eventually <laughs> it kind of like to me and i mean maybe this is just my interpretation of it but the way that i take that is that basically a character is not going to do an action that is not that is out of character. Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah. it's whatever they do has to make sense to who they are and where they come from. And you also use those to define that character. Now, mm-hmm. I feel like, again, you know, writing in comics versus prose, it's very much the same. Um, I've, I DM'd for a while. Um, and part of it, it <laughs> as that one uh, horrible one was ending, I kind of had a moment there where I was DMing a little bit. And eventually that was what finally pushed me into, I'm going to go ahead and actually start writing um, just because as a writer, it drove me batshit crazy when they went off script, right? It's like, you know, and I mean, and eventually like I got to a point with DMing where it's like, okay, I have a very vague outline of what's going to happen mm-hmm. and I'm just going to wait for the right opportunity to bring in this thing, mm-hmm. that thing, right? You know, but I, and I just kind of let them lead me and then kind of go there. So it was almost like, just improv you know, yeah. for, for you know, a great portion of it. And I'm not saying I was a good DM. I think I was actually probably a pretty terrible DM because I, I, I just, you know, again, it's like, I spent hours writing this story and then it was just easy. You will play my stuff. game. My God, you know, like, <laughs> well, I remember like one time, I mean, I had spent two weeks working on something. I mean, I don't remember exactly how many hours I had, but we get down, uh, start playing and we were done after like four hours and they were like, this is unacceptable we need to play for at least another six hours. This is not okay. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we can just wing it. You know, it's like, I kind of have an idea of where we're going. Let's just go. Mm. And it, it, you know, it was, that was a weird kind of a thing too. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of got out of it. I mean, to me, four hours is, these days, that's plenty of time. Plenty of know? time. Like, yeah. The, the yeah. sessions that we do currently are like maybe three at the most. That's, you guys have it so good. <laughs> <laughs> 
because that that last party that I was into, man, it was it, not only did we have sixteen players, but we never, ever, ever, ever started playing before. We would we would meet before then, but we never actually started playing until after eleven o'clock at night. Oh god! And then it was like it what? was all night long. All night long. I mean, that sounds um, really fun, but at the same time, I like I don't know once whether. Once in a while. Ooh, I but, couldn't it do it cool anymore. Once in a while. Yeah, no, I'm too old now. To, when I say that, I'm too, not too, I could do it. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I don't have any desire to do that. I reached a point where I like sleep. I know yeah. that I am a happier person if I get this amount of sleep every night, and I'm going to aim to do that. Just because otherwise, I, I would like to just quickly sleep. counter that point with the fact that you chose to have children. So clearly, you don't enjoy <laughs> sleep all that much. <laughs> well, they're to the point. See, the thing is, they don't keep you up forever. Oh, right? okay, okay. They, they do grow out of that phase. Right? <laughs> Yeah. On my 18th birthday, my parents gave me a suitcase that was packed. <laughs> to be fair, you were going off to university. Yeah, and they'd threatened it for many, many years, but that was my 18th birthday <laughs> present from them was just... Uh, but I mean, yeah. it wasn't like a here, you know, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, but was... my dad did then pretty much present me with a spreadsheet that he's been keeping of what I owe him as well. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> I... I at the time, I was there thinking, why? why? Why have you done this to me? In mm. hindsight, now I'm there just going, I would have done the same. Um, well, I mean, I, not knowing your dad, I, I can't speak for sure, but like, I could imagine doing something like that to my kids just for the sheer enjoyment of it. It's like, I'm not going to make you pay me this money, right? You know, but I want you to know that I've been keeping tabs. It, yeah. Right? <laughs> because you've been an asshole to me every day of your life. And I've, here's a, finally, like, here's a receipt for how much I've spent. I, I have got what? stats and numbers <laughs> and you cannot dispute, like, here it is. Like, <laughs> I mean, my, my one thing against that, uh, well, other than that, that was probably traumatic for you and I'm sorry that your, your dad did that to you, but um, that seems like an awful lot of work, man, and I'm just not that committed. You know, I've got other things I want to do. That, uh, I'm not that into revenge. Yeah, I think, uh, like, well, yeah, you, you, your dad has a... Um, he loves being funny, but with like a tactical purpose almost. Sometimes <laughs> he's tactically funny. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing, and it's gonna be hilarious. But also, I might mean it. You don't know. <laughs> it's it's all psychological with him, constantly. It's uh, but it's yeah. always always from a place of love in the end. Yeah, it just took me 16 years to learn that. You know. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> he uh, and, and you know he yeah. could have been clearer. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But That's um, part of the fun though. Uh, one of the questions I did want to ask you was, what was it like uh, coming into a comic that had already been created and things? Because you you mentioned at the start, uh, previously having all this control and creativity around your own projects, but then coming in and being requested to come into something to to input your own uh, personality and charisma onto it. What was that? Like? Uh, were there any difficulties with that? Um. I don't know that I would say there were difficulties, but it was definitely weird, right? So, like when they first so webtoon, like every every series is a little bit different, right? Um, and I mean, and it's also different whether you're on the canvas side or on the original side, which we're on the original side, which means that it's actually like funded by webtoons or whatever. Um, but we had thirty episodes per season, right? Now, some some have more than that, um, but when I came in. Luke had finished the first 26 episodes. And so they're like, basically, Hey, we've got four more episodes we need for this season. Um, why don't you, why don't you write one and we'll see how it goes. Mm. Right. Um, and you know, 
So I wrote one, and yeah, I, I think the idea originally was they were going to have like two or three people write a couple of different ones, and then see which you know which ones went went best. Uh, and I don't know if I just knocked it out of the park or if Orlando just couldn't find anything else, but or anybody else. But uh, I wrote uh, I wrote four. No, actually, I take that back. I think I think um, I did three because I think he wrote up to the first twenty-seven episodes of season one, and I did three standalone um, that were like legends of the WFL, what we called it, and it was basically like stuff that happened before the ongoing uh, arc, mm-hmm. but I kind of tried to write it in a way where it kind of sort of could fit in, if you will. Um, and uh, it went, it went well. Uh, they asked me to, to come back on for season two. And then that, that season was kind of interesting because Luke was still pretty involved at that point. Um, he didn't have time to do the, the week to week scripts, um, but he basically sat down and wrote the entire season. Like mm-hmm. Season two, this is everything that's going to happen. Um, and then and that was that was a little bit interesting because, you know, again, I'm still having to kind of make my ideas fit with what they're doing. And I had to, you know, in a lot of situations, it was like, okay, well, I have to remind myself, this is not my story. So what I want here really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it'd be cool to work that in there, but, you know, I can let that go. And there, there were a lot of things like that. And it's, it's funny. You know, I don't know if you guys like how, how, how much, how many stories you guys have written and, and like, but it's there are drafts like entire drafts of issues and stuff that, that, that never saw the light of day, right. They completely just got completely axed, rewritten. Mm. Um, but they still live very much in my mind. And it's like, and sometimes yeah. I forget that it didn't actually go that way. And yeah. it's like, Oh shit. No, wait, scratch that detail. Right. And that's, it's, it, and that was weirder in the second season because I was having to go back so much and look at what uh, Luke had given me. Yeah. Um, now, Orlando has always been super cool, and Ethan, the uh, uh, Ethan LeBlanc, the editor uh, with Webtoon, has always been super cool about you know run with it. You know, if you've got this idea, you know, try to try to let me be as creative as I could. Um, and it, it's I can't speak for any other situation, but I know that with working with those two guys, they made it as absolutely easy on me as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but this might be a good place to to say this. Um, I am. So Super excited about the next chapter that I've got coming up, which is um, I just found out about a month or so ago. I don't have a definitive date yet, but I have been greenlit by uh, Webtoons for a new series called Sidonia Shattering. Woo! Um, and it is it's a complete creation of my own. Um, I So I'm like super excited about getting that because I don't really have to answer to anybody on yeah. that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, um, I've already been uh, I'm six or seven episodes into it right now, like as far as the script go. Um, the art. So I'm not an artist. Right. I, I, uh, I love art. Um, I wish that I could draw. Um, I have spent time uh, in my youth. And I got decent, you know, I mean, I, there were certain things that I can do and I can, I can you know, I, I can draw better than some people, um, but I, I don't pretend that I, I, I couldn't pull off like a whole episode. Like, I just don't think I have the, the stick to to make that happen. Mm. Not and have it be anything that anybody wanted to see anyway. Right? It takes, um, it takes so much extra time. The comic that I make is this tiny character that's literally is shaded in circle, and that still takes me longer than I think it does. <laughs> so I, ooh, I couldn't even imagine making like a full blown thing where actual people with proportions are involved. Right, and I mean, it's like and it is. It amazes me. So you know, with Unpound, um, we do. We have like again, it's different for every series, but we have a minimum of like forty panels per episode. Right? Mm-hmm. So. 
each episode has to have at least 40 panels. And I think that it ends up being a little bit closer to the 50 mark, most, most episodes. But Orlando is cranking this out every week. I mean, he's writing, or he's not writing, but uh, he's illustrating 50 panels every week. And I mean, in a lot of situations, he's doing the, the uh, inks, the, or he's doing the, you know, the, the line art, the, uh, the inks, the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had, we've had a letterer the whole time who does some of the, like the background colors. Um, and we have a colorist that will work on some of the episodes, but I mean, for the most part, it's Orlando. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. That's I incredible. I That's, wow. Oh really my God. Is. I mean, I, I only really found out uh, quite recently that, these are all like different jobs. I, I we started, uh, we got Disney Plus, woo, and um, started watching uh, a documentary that they have on there called uh, Marvel Six One Six, and okay. they show you the process, like how the art gets done. So first the sketches, then you know inking, then coloring, then lettering, and that's like a whole different thing. And they all have to collaborate. And that that was completely mind blowing because, of course, again. I w- have been approaching my comic the same way that I did when I drew like doodles in my book when I was like 10 years old, where of course I do everything. I do the writing, lettering, coloring, uh, sketching, everything, everything. Actually, I, I didn't even sketch before. Now I started doing it and it's working very well. <laughs> but um, it's it's just so amazing that something... Uh, like that can have like collaboration for me is uh, a like a touchy subject in some ways because I just never uh, have learned to do it well um, and I am because the way that I create I usually have an image of something in my mind my perfectionism kips, kicks in and if it's not the way I see it in my head it I, I feel like it's failed and it's not gonna see the light of day and just. Um, so I used to say, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, that's ultimately what made me stop drawing. Uh, right. I say that I, I got good enough at it that I could piss myself off, which was to say, I knew what it was supposed to look like. And yes. it was that's such a good, there. that's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it was just like, I, I just, and it was like, I know that if I had really buckled down and really put the effort into it, it, it basically, and you know, I can look back on it now and I can say that what happened was I reached the end of my natural world. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at that point, what I would have had to do was what everybody else does, which was work my ass off to get to the next point. And at that point, I was too busy chasing girls and playing drums. And, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it just kind of felt like So you were quite literally that, hitting this and hitting that. Exactly. Well, I was, hitting, I was trying to hit something and hitting the other thing. <laughs> but I'll let you decide which, right? <laughs> but it's quite interesting that, like, it's obviously uh, uh, well it seems obvious that it's a question of like what you're willing to simply spend the time on I realized this with music like for like for a while I've been wanting to be a musician for so long but I hadn't actually practiced or played any of the instruments that I wanted to be proficient in and it was just a realization one day it's like oh my god I can keep buying guitars but unless I actually play one of them I'm not really gonna learn anything right exactly I mean it's one of the things that I always thought but I feel kind of lucky with music in some ways because I started playing. So like I said, I've always listened to music and it was just always a part of my life. And I remember my uncle had a drum set that I would kind of occasionally be around. It was never something that I ever like really like spent any time with. Um, but my, there was music in my family, I guess. So there was, there was the gene was there or whatever. Mm. And 
I worked out in that whenever I got into music, it was pre-internet. So I, I, I'm 43. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, a little older than some, but it was pre-internet. It was the height of grunge, like Nirvana. Like I got my drum set for Christmas when I was 13 and I got Nirvana's Nevermind the next day. And I learned to that and U2's Octone Baby. And I've learned to play drums for those two hours. That that uh, is the thirteen-year-old life I wish I had. <laughs> uh, it was, dude. It was, it was pretty fucking awesome in a lot of ways. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, deny that. But it was, uh, but it was weird because when I, when I later in life, when I was a professional and I was a teacher, right? So I mean, because in my experience, I didn't know many professional musicians that weren't also music teachers, right? And kind mm. of just kind of had to do it. And I mean, and it was one of those things too where. Um, a friend of a drum teacher friend of mine who I, he and I used to talk about it. He always fell into Star Wars quotes because that's just what kind of geeks we are. But he was, you know, it's like, you know, um, how did he put it? It was like, you know, um, I can't remember. But basically, it's like, you know, you can't you can't really be a master at something until you teach it. Was what he would always kind of come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I thought was very interesting about the kids at that time, and this was during like rock band when it was huge and you know guitar hero and stuff like that was was big um and it was so much fun you know it was great but one of the things that i found about that was that a lot of the kids that were really stinking awesome at rock band would get behind a real drum set and didn't understand well i'm awesome and i can play tom sawyer by rush on rock band why can't i do this behind a real drum set Mm -hmm. are you saying are you Um, saying that that red and yellow does not equal floor tom and (laughs) hi-hat one of the things that i found that was interesting about that was that you know i don't remember ever having to be asked to go practice right because like i Mm. you say okay you know it's like the reason you were so good at that is because you were having a blast doing it. Mm-hmm. And rock band is a video game that is designed to have a kind of low bar for entry, right? You know, nothing against, I'm not saying that people that aren't really good at it didn't practice and get good at it, right? But it is not, it's just not the same thing, right? I mean, getting a, I mean, even playing an electronic drum set versus playing an acoustic drum set are very different experiences, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's some, obviously some similarities, but, but you know what I'm saying? But, mm. Looking back on it, I don't remember ever anybody saying, you got to go practice, go practice, go practice. It was, I got home, homework, I don't know. <laughs> I want to play drums, right? You know, and then I would play drums until dinner, and then dinner would go by, and then I would go play drums, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just played and 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 didn't realize, like, I was so busy having a good time, I didn't realize I was actually working and learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that when you <laughs> grow older and you want to pursue these things uh, or like have these things contribute to what like goes to your bank account eventually, that it becomes work and like it it like the fun diminishes in some ways. But when you were learning to do all that stuff, you were learning to do it because it was fun. Um and I think some like for me, I certainly forgot that about my music making, and so it, like I'm re- rediscovering all that recently, and it's just it's crazy um, to to think that what that that sort of shift in mindset changes your perception so much of something that you love to do. It's just hmm. a little sad sometimes. It really is, and I find that that if you want to absolutely ruin your love for something, go study at university. Um, you know, that, that is absolutely a way. I mean, you know, I, I went to school for uh drum set at first and, you know, 
again, I was coming at it from rock. You know, I was a rock and roll drummer. That's what I wanted to play. Um, but you can't study that at the University of Tennessee, right? You, but you can study jazz, right? So, okay, well, I'll study jazz, right? And it, I learned so much. I had some amazing teachers, um, but I, I, they kind of ruined music for me for a really long time. Like I had a really hard time um, playing just to play. Um, and, and I'm even going to go so far as to say that it it was it wasn't until Thanksgiving of last year when I discovered TikTok that I finally got back to I'm just doing this because I'm about to go crazy and I need to play some drums and this is allowing me to you know feel like I'm doing something different. Right? Mm. And it, it you know and it was fun to be able to chase just whatever I wanted to play you know because that was another thing that, that you kind of get into and I mean I've never it's a little bit different with writing because the well, I mean, I, I guess I could say that's true. I mean, sorry, I, I'm very tangent on my thing all the time. But what I was going to say was like, as a musician, when I was a career musician, I very rarely was I playing music that I was like, fuck yes, this is exactly what I want to be playing right now. I mean, in Knoxville, Tennessee, there was so much country that I had to play. And I hate country. I absolutely cannot stand country for the most part. That isn't to say that it's all bad, right? There's obviously, there's good in all genres, right? Um, but it, it very rarely w- was I playing music that was close to my heart, right? Because we weren't playing originals, we were playing covers, you know, because that's what you, how you make money, right? And with writing, I would say that's even kind of true to a certain degree, too, because for the most part, the original stuff that I've written, um, you know, that hopefully I'm moving into a new area, like, of my life, and this is, with the, the webtoon thing, this might be a little bit more true, but I, you know, it's not been enough to support myself right i've always had to do something else and 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 a lot of times it was you know maybe not even enough to really even justify the time to do it right except for the fact that it was just bringing me joy on some level right you know it was i was like i said going crazy or whatever i mean you know you talked about um needing to create or, or being happy that you're creating uh, over the last year i've always like I have always been, you know, like I said, when I was playing and I was writing in the, the war journals and stuff like that, like I, I've, looking back on my life, I've kind of always been creative and I don't think I really even realized it at the time. It was just like, that's just what I was, it was fun. I was just having yeah. fun, right? Yeah. You know, drawing pictures and I was drawing pictures because I was reading comics and I, oh, that's a cool picture. I'm going to try to see if I can emulate that or whatever. And you know, same thing with music. It's like, oh, you know, Dave Grohl's a badass. That, that, the drum part's awesome. I'm going to kind of play that, you know, and it's, it's just it kind of went, went from there, right? Um, and it is really interesting how whenever you, you become dependent on something for your food, um, it does change it, and you, you make kind of weird choices based on that. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that, that I, I can't really say that this is my experience, but this is something that was passed on to me. Um, do you guys know who Jojo Mayer is? You ever heard of him? Uh, I have, um, yeah. Younger, uh, he's a fantastic he's with Ben Nerve. Uh, he's amazing. If you don't know him, just check him out. It's awesome. Um, he um, actually, when I was teaching at the, the drum store, um, he came and did a clinic, and I actually got to hang out with him pretty much all day, which was pretty awesome. But uh, one of the things that he told me that I thought was awesome, it's really probably the one bit of advice that stuck with me more than anything else, was that he talked about how when he was in New York uh, in, in the early days, he's like, I was just running myself ragged, taking every gig that I could get, just every gig that came my way because I was afraid to turn down anything mm. because if I turn this down, well, then they're never going to ask me again. 
Um, or, you know, if I turn this gig down, then that's, they're going to think I'm not hungry and, and it's going to be a problem. Mm. And he said that one day he, a friend of his that he played in, in a couple of uh, groups with before came up and was like, Hey man, I got this new project and you'd be perfect for it. Sweet. You know, sign me up. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's play with you. Let's do it. And he's like, okay, well, I need you to come uh, meet me here at this state and this time for the audition. And he said, and he kind of stopped. And he was like, wait, I thought you just said I was perfect for this. Mm. Well, well, you are. Well, then why do I need to audition for it? You know, why don't I just show up and we just jam and we just play? Well, you know, we got to, because of this, that, and the other. And he, and he said, he's kind of, it made him step back and think, you know, do I really want to do that project? I mean, I like this guy, but no, I don't know that I want to do this now. Mm. You know, mm. and he said at that point, his perceptive perception changed and it, it went from taking gigs that he felt he needed to take to only taking gigs that he wanted to take. Mm-hmm. And he said there was a six month period or so where it kind of like slowed down and everything got weird. And he kind of was like, Oh shit, am I going to be able to eat? He said, but then it changed and the energy changed. And then the only gigs that were coming his way were gigs that he wanted to do. And it's, that's me. It like, I, it's like power of positive thinking. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're putting, putting the energy out there and it comes back. And I, I've, I mean, I've experienced that to a certain degree just because I know that, you know, from, sinking a lot of time and energy into writing comics or, um, you know, playing music, whatever. It's like you're investing your energy into this endeavor. And then eventually the universe starts kind of feeding you that energy back. Right. And it's like, I, you know, I used to do the same kind of thing where it's, I would take whatever gig would come my way. Mm. And I had a couple of friends that would always call me if they needed me to sub or, or whatever. And even after I said, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm going to, I got a corporate job. This is my thing. For like three years, I was still getting calls to do gigs, you yeah. know, and it's like because I'd been doing it for 10 mm. years or whatever, and I had all this energy that had been put out into the world. Mm. Um, at least that's the way I choose to look at it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a hippie, I don't know. But, uh, they, um, but it's the same thing with the, the comics, you know. I mean, it started with me saying, I'm just going to do this. You know, I don't yeah. care if, I, if it ever goes anywhere. I am just going to start making this happen, and I'm just going to do it because it's something that I've always wanted to do. And it... It's weird, you know, I mean, it's so far, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's worked out more than I thought it was going to. I mean, I didn't think I was ever going to get a, you know, what I would call a real gig doing it. Mm. I do now. And it's, it's, you know, it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. I I was, mean, yeah, I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say, we can't wait to hear sort of how it goes when it, when it all kicks off. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm so excited. It's, I mean, you know, we kind of started talking about it a little bit and it's that, that story's going to be super cool. Cause it's like, I've always been, um, I've been always been equal parts sci-fi and fantasy and, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that I write is always like a very, it's like a blending of the two. Um, and this, this story, the way that I'm, I'm looking at it is it's, it's a, like a medieval fantasy world, but at a point it was like, I haven't actually sat down and wrote out any you know, the my talking points for it. Yeah. It's like, ah, here's the log lines, but it's basically, it's, it's, it's set in a post-apocalyptic fantasy world. And it's, it's, it's almost like Mad Max meets, um, Lord of the Rings, I guess mm. is what I would say. Um, okay. and it's, it's, but I mean, it's not talking as really, no. it's more, there's no elves, right? Yeah. There's, there's magic, but it's more like, I don't know, the, the society at the, at the, you know, pre-cataclysm was basically like a Star Trek level utopia, mm. but it wasn't run on tech. It was run on magic. Ooh, and cool. then. Yeah, so okay. that's that's where it's going. I don't want to talk too much more about it, but that's that's kind of where, and I'm like super excited about it because it's it's the art team that I'm working with is Cocoon. Uh, they're out of Indonesia, and they're so far the all the character concepts and everything they've been coming up with has been awesome. That is so um, cool. 
yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited. Well, uh, where can, uh, if you uh, want to uh, drop in some uh, tags and handles and... Where to hit me up, like the easiest place is TonyKarnowski.com. Uh, that's got a link to pretty much everything, uh, all my social media and all that stuff on there too. Like all my different projects are, are uh, linked there. Um, the, you know, Pound and uh, Sidonia Shattering when it comes out later this year, which we're, we're looking, I don't have a definitive date, but we're looking probably around October mm-hmm. uh, is when that's probably going to start. Um, both of those are exclusively on webtoons.com, um, which if you're not familiar with that platform, it's awesome. It's free. Highly um, recommend it myself. I use it all the time. <laughs> it's fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, for Tony, thank you so much. That was really entertaining. It's such yeah, a vast and wonderful conversation. Thanks, man. We can in some weird places, right? But no, this has been fantastic. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I have been Nancy Art Music. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Nancy Art Music. Alex, where can we find you? I'm Alex Roberts, and you can find me on Instagram at Alex Roberts Writer. And you can find my first collection of poetry, Empire, on Amazon. <laughs>